Anyone who's worked with adolescent learners knows that they can seemingly get through a year or two of study with a frustrating combination of low enthusiasm, minimal motivation, a total lack of focus and complete disinterest, only to then suddenly find direction and complete certainty in life when it's time for college or job applications to be done or for UCAS references to be submitted. As exam time looms closer, students who had been a picture of lackadaisical indifference are transformed into a frenzy of panic. And then their alarm and regret about all those wasted study periods is unceremoniously passed to you to deal with on their behalf. For anyone outside education, the ability to be able to be both completely uninterested and simultaneously really worried about something would seem impossible. But most teachers will know better, and I'm sure most teachers can think of particular students who show absolutely no interest in their course, only to be absolutely distraught when their grade reflects that. And that's where dialectical behaviour therapy, or DBT skills, come in. DBT skills do not involve traditional forms of talking therapy. They do not require anyone to share any personal, sensitive or potentially traumatic information and they do not require someone to be a qualified counsellor to teach them or use them with young people. And they're suitable to be used with anyone. If a young person has dealt with difficulties or has experienced trauma, DBT skills will not make that worse and in many ways will be beneficial. If a young person has experienced no difficulties, DBT skills will not create them and are likely to be beneficial. DBT skills are a way of helping young people to develop ways of managing the various strains and demands of their lives. They're especially useful for young people who struggle to manage their feelings or to maintain healthy friendships and relationships with adults, but in reality that is going to cover most adolescents at some point in some form or another. The four main DBT skills are emotion regulation, distress tolerance, interpersonal effectiveness and mindfulness. We're going to be looking specifically at mindfulness as a way to help young people stay focused and remain motivated in their studies. So what do you think of when you hear the word mindfulness? Does it conjure up images of yoga studios, meditation, chanting and crystals? Are you thinking, how on earth does she think I'm going to get year 13 doing any of that? Well, hopefully, what I'm going to share with you won't be that difficult to convince students to use. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's have a think about what it is we're dealing with here. So why aren't students motivated and focused? Of course, there are some students who are absolutely focused and motivated. They work hard and they get solid grades. But there are others who have found themselves on courses they aren't that interested in for any number of reasons. And several who aren't particularly adverse to study, it's just that there are so many other things that feel so much more important and interesting right now. And if you think about it, adolescence is a terrible time to be trying to get students focused and motivated. Their brains are going through all kinds of amazing changes and they're in the throes of finding out who they are and who they want to be. Those of us who work with young people are under no illusion about where what we need them to do ranks in their hierarchy of important things right now. I once had an A-level student say to me, 
I know you want me to do well, miss, but there is nothing you can say that will make me want to do the work. Now, while I appreciated the honesty, it didn't help too much in terms of getting coursework submitted. Students may well be prioritising their social relationships and being with their tribe over all else. Choosing between revision or going to the park to simply exist with other young people is not a hard decision for many to make. If they put the same level of effort into their studies as they do spending just a few minutes with their friends, we wouldn't even need to be talking about this. It's not just typical adolescent behaviours that are working against us though. There are also the often relentless distractions from social media, which seems to have been especially designed to tap into every teenage want and need. A constant stream of information about other young people feeds into adolescent fear of missing out and creates a never-ending cycle of comparison, evaluation and judgment. The education system itself is also not helping. School or college start times are generally much too early for most adolescents to be well rested and the process of moving from place to place, subject to subject throughout the day and the expectation of good behaviour and absolute engagement is a big ask and possibly even an unreasonable one. Tiredness can have a significant impact on motivation and focus. And I don't mean to offend, but sometimes education is just boring. All specifications have at least some parts that are totally uninspiring no matter how you present them and there is no lesson plan in existence that can make it fun. However, it's not going to matter how much we moan about this, there's little we can do about any of those things and that's where DBT skills and mindfulness in particular might be helpful as these skills allow the individual to feel more in control of themselves, their thoughts and their feelings. The dialectics part of DBT refers to the different ways of looking at a situation. So rather than all or nothing thinking, students are able to appreciate that there are several versions of what is happening or what they feel and they can incorporate some of those options into their own thinking. For example, if a student got a lower grade than they wanted in a piece of coursework, they may find their response is an extreme, such as, there's no point in doing any of the work now, I failed totally, and a lot of tears, or shouting, or both. While this is their perception in that moment, it probably isn't a realistic interpretation of the situation as a whole. Dialectical thinking would be more like, I got a lower grade than I wanted, and there is the opportunity to redo this or make up the marks on another piece. Or, I've got a lower grade than I wanted and I might need to rethink my plans and I can get support doing that. It might even be, I got a lower grade than I wanted and I have another lesson to focus on now so I'll need to deal with this problem later. The and is the important part. We want students to be able to have a balance, a realistic view of things and to be able to respond in an appropriate way. The short-term goal of mindfulness is to enable students to stay focused on one task and motivated for long enough to complete it. And the long-term benefits are that the skills will serve them well in further or higher education and in their working and personal lives. 
It's especially useful as practicing mindfulness can make boring tasks easier to stay focused on and then more manageable. Mindfulness is the opposite of mindlessness. It's about being present in the moment and engaged in what is happening here and now, rather than being distracted by things that are going on elsewhere, by things that have happened in the past or by things that might happen in the future. So, how do you encourage students to be mindful? The way mindfulness can be used with students can be condensed into three words. Pause, note and do. In its simplest form, this means when you aren't able to focus or you feel demotivated or at any point during the day when you want to get back on track, stop and pay attention to your body. Acknowledge your thoughts and then go back to the task you need to complete. Let's look more closely at how students can do each step and the techniques you can share with them. The purpose of pause is to notice when you're distracted or unable to focus and to actively do something about it. Rather than feeling twitchy or fidgety, rather than playing on your phone or staring out the window lost in a daydream, pausing is a way of saying to yourself, I know I'm not where I need to be and I need to change that. There are lots of ways you can pause. You might ask students to visualize a pause button that they press when they're consciously being mindful that they are pausing. You might suggest that they put anything down that they have in their hands or move back from the keyboard. They might sit up straight in their chair or stand up. If they're particularly distracted or unable to focus and the situation allows it, they might want to go outside or even to go for a walk. When you're pausing, it can be useful to pay attention to how your body feels. You could suggest that students use a quick body scan, starting at their head and moving down their bodies to their feet, concentrating on if they feel any tension or if they feel cold or hot or uncomfortable. For example, the student might think to themselves, I'm feeling fidgety and I can't concentrate. My neck feels a bit stiff and it's warm. The idea is to stop the mind racing off by keeping it closely focused on describing what has been observed through your senses. They could also pause to observe their physical environment through their senses. For example, by listing things they can see, hear, touch, smell and taste. They could also describe those things in detail, such as, I can see a pile of textbooks and they are blue, the pile isn't straight and one of the covers is ripped. Again, pausing is about observing what is there and describing it without judgment. Feeling fidgety or a ripped book cover are not good or bad, they just are. This is where we are right now and this is how we are experiencing the world through our senses. That slight feeling of tension in the neck might mean we feel a bit on edge. So let's get a message to our nervous system that it's all good here and taking some controlled deep breaths will calm us down. Some ways of pausing can be done without anyone knowing you're doing it. So it can be done in class, in an exam hall, in a coffee shop, in a nightclub. This means it shouldn't make students feel self-conscious or like people know what they're doing. And that's often a really big concern for adolescents.
It's a useful technique to use in all kinds of situations. For example, if a student is socialising but is feeling distracted by an argument at home and it's stopping them being able to really focus on what a friend is saying, pausing can be a way to refocus on the here and now. If you're going to encourage students to be mindful and to pause, it's worth thinking about how that might look to some teachers who are keen to see students present in a certain way and how they may respond to pausing. I'm thinking of those situations where a child isn't industrious enough for the teacher and when asked what they're doing, replies thinking. And while that's a great answer, it's not always the one that some teachers want to hear as they prioritise looking busy over thinking or pausing. Pausing might be enough to get the young person refocused, in which case they can skip on to do. However, in some cases, the distraction might be more persistent, so it can be useful to note it. Noting is a way for students to consciously and mindfully acknowledge thoughts that might be distracting them from what they need to do. For example, they may be thinking about their friends who are on a study period or about falling out with a friend. They might be distracted by worries about a deadline looming or about tension at home. All these things and a myriad of others will be occupying space in young people's heads every day. So it's no wonder they can lack focus. Noting is about students using their wise mind to keep distracting thoughts in check. So let's look at this idea in a bit more detail. As mentioned, dialectics is about being able to hold more than one idea at the same time and accepting that all perspectives are part of the whole. For students, this might mean that they have thoughts that are reasonable and based on logic and facts, and also thoughts that are emotional and based on what they feel. Relying solely on either rational or emotional mind is not usually helpful. The idea of wise mind is to find a synthesis of the two. For example, if a young person has a deadline that's drawing close, their reasonable mind might use logic and say, if you'd started earlier, this would be done by now, but you'll be able to get this done if you don't go out tonight and you just stay up late until it's finished. That's all true, but it's not necessarily that helpful. The emotional mind might say, this is a disaster. We should cry. There's no point in even trying to do this. While both of those points of view are valid and reflect how the student thinks and feels in that moment, they are not the whole story and alone neither is very helpful. The logical approach of staying up late is likely to make the emotional response even more pronounced. Wise mind is a synthesis of reason and emotion to find a middle ground. In this example that could be something like it's unlikely I'll meet this deadline and it's not a good idea to try and cram it in tonight when I already feel stressed. It is important that I do get it done though and I don't want to give up. I should go and see my teacher and ask if I can hand it in a day late. Wise mind is about being balanced and realistic. One way you can support students to use wise mind is to suggest they draw two overlapping circles to represent reasonable, wise and emotional mind and to divide their thoughts into which area they think they're coming from. They can then use those notes to work out the middle ground and a realistic response. 
That might involve seeking support or asking someone else's input, and that is absolutely fine. If the distracting thoughts are not really about whatever they're trying to focus on, for example, they're thinking about what they're doing at the weekend, one technique that they can practice is to let the thought know they're aware of it, but they have other things to do right now. They could visualize the thought in a bubble, being blown away, or the thought being put into a filing cabinet. They might even say to themselves, I see you there, but I'm busy right now, so I'll come back to you when I've got this done. Noting can help students to differentiate between thoughts that are important and deserving of their attention and those that are time-wasting nonsense. It can help students to realise that just because they have a thought, that doesn't mean that it's useful or even true. For example, a student may be preoccupied with comments made about them on social media site. Noting that the thought is there, but not allowing it the airtime means that it's less likely that the young person will dwell on the thought, ruminate on it, and have it become more and more dominant. Noting can also be a method that students factor into their sleep routine. For example, they might take some time to reflect on the day, write down the good things that have happened, and note anything that's worrying them, to acknowledge it and show that they're aware of it, but they aren't going to deal with it right now because it's time for sleep. Writing things down as a to-do list or in the form of journaling can help to pin thoughts down so they're not racing around your head. They could also add each thought to a post-it note to literally and symbolically stick them somewhere else to come back to at a more convenient time. Those thoughts are then often easier to pick off one by one to work out how to deal with them. Once students have paused and noted if they needed to, they can move on to do. To do is to participate fully and effectively. Mindful doing is about being engaged with one thing without distraction. It's similar to the idea of flow, being so involved in something that it's all consuming and takes all your attention. With practice, it can also help students focus on things they find boring. Only having one thing going on at a time can be quite unusual for a lot of us. For example, we might be watching TV while looking at social media and messaging someone. The modern world is a constant source of simultaneous calls on our attention. For those who teach, the idea of having your mind wholly focused on one thing is almost absurd. But the reality is we all tend to find it easier to focus and remain motivated when we have one thing that we are focused on. To be able to do mindfully, students need to have little or no external distraction. This can be very challenging in some education environments. The most obvious distraction would be friends and social media, so they need to make a conscious decision to put themselves somewhere away from those distractions or to set a boundary about being disturbed. To be able to do this effectively, it can be useful for students to also learn assertiveness skills, which are part of interpersonal effectiveness in DBT skills. If an environment without distractions is not possible, they can use techniques like listening to white noise or soundscapes like the ocean or rain to minimise noise distraction. After a while of using the same sounds, they may find they have trained their brain into recognising that sound means focus. 
They can also use fidget toys or have something in their hands to minimise the need to pick up a device to check messages. Keeping senses occupied but not overstimulated can aid focus. Unfortunately, many fidget toys, and there does seem to be a new kind every few months, make a noise which might annoy and distract others. But having something like a small piece of blue tack or Play-Doh can work as a quiet alternative. You may even want to consider a system where students can hand in their phones securely so they can have some dedicated time without them. While that sounds like a ludicrous suggestion, you may find that some students welcome the break from the relentless notifications that call on their attention. I've even had students forget to collect their phones at the end of the lesson. If you have a sixth form study area or a space students are able to use during social times and study periods, offering activities like colouring, jigsaws and physical puzzle toys as opposed to puzzles or games on digital devices can also help students to focus and do. While it may seem that they are not doing because they're engaged in another task, those activities often create quiet and calm. And for some young people, there are very few opportunities to just sit and be, to be occupied on a physical task while also having space to process thoughts. Spending some time on a task that is engaging but not too difficult can help create the mind space to do. So 10 minutes playing out of an hour may well produce more work than trying to concentrate for the whole time. It can also be helpful for students to think about what they are doing as part of their progress towards a goal. That might be a long-term goal like getting into a particular FE or HE course. Those kinds of goals can be challenging for teenagers to properly understand due to the prefrontal cortex being less mature than an adult's. The reward is too far away for it to be meaningful. So for some adolescents, shorter term girls, goals often work better as the gratification or reward is closer. For example, the goal might be, I can hand this in and never have to think about it again. Once students have learned the types of techniques they can use when they pause, note and do, they can move between them as needed in their particular circumstances. For example, they may pause, note and do, or pausing may be enough to get them focused to move directly to do. They may note and do, or noting might bring up a tricky thought that means they need to move to pause to try some breathing to feel calmer before they can do. And for the duration of doing, they may move to note and pause as thoughts and feelings come up. With practice, the body comes to recognise the techniques, so they work quicker, and pausing may only need to be done for a few seconds. Now, we would all prefer a quick fix to getting students motivated and able to focus. Students would love that quick fix. Senior leaders would be over the moon with that quick fix. Parents would sleep so much easier with that quick fix, but it just doesn't exist. Mindfulness skills take practice and time to work well, but once the skills are embedded, they can be useful in all areas of the young people's lives. You may well hear students say that they've tried meditation and it doesn't work. Rather than getting into a protracted debate about how meditation and the mindfulness skills you're trying to share with them aren't quite the same thing, you can let them know that, yeah, it does take practice. It's unlikely they'll become mindful overnight. 
But if they are willing to give it a go, they may find that it helps them in all sorts of ways and not just in their studies. For example, in their part-time jobs and in managing difficulties with interpersonal relationships. Wise mind can be a great way of developing negotiation skills. They and you may feel that pausing and noting, especially going back to pausing when doing, is a complete waste of time. How can going outside to think about how your body feels be a good use of your time when you should just get on with it? Well, that's your emotional mind getting itself all upset. A different way of thinking about this with your wise mind is that you will actually save time in the long run. Being distracted and unfocused tends not to just go away of its own accord and consciously, mindfully doing something to refocus is a better use of time than continuing to be distracted. Ideally, students would learn the whole range of DBT skills so they can better regulate their emotions, tolerate distress and be more effective in interpersonal relationships. But if that's not a possibility, mindfulness does work in isolation. And try these techniques yourself. The best proof of how effective mindfulness can be is when you're able to sit and watch an entire episode of Line of Duty without thinking about work. And before you know it, you'll be suggesting to your family members that they just pause for a moment and take a nice deep breath. If you'd like to know more about how DBT skills can be useful for students, please don't hesitate to contact me. You can find more details on my website, www.helenor.co.uk.